Thank you, Annie. Appreciate it. So we're continuing in the 10th chapter of Mark, um, following the rich young man. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about this reading. And there's kind of some, some set-up reflection questions before um, I say a few things that I've thought about in terms of this. Um, so uh, to remind you what we've been doing for the last few months here, which is having what we call a pairing and sharing time. Um, part of being a community together um, is not just uh, looking forward and listening to what comes from up front or singing a few songs, but it's relationally connecting with one another um, and getting to know each other on a variety of different levels so that we can support and serve one another and serve the greater reason of what it means to follow Jesus. So we break off into pairs and we just have some conversations for a few minutes. And I, I want to say something I haven't said for a while, which is that the most important time, part of breaking into pairs and talking is the relationship connection. And the questions are helpful, but if the two of you ever come together in a pair and uh, you're not interested in those questions at all, talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's, it's fine. It's you know, whatever. Um, but hopefully the questions are, are engaging and interesting. So you have two questions. Uh, you don't need to get to both of them. But uh, the first one is, why do you follow Jesus in your life? And the second is, why do you think, what do you think Jesus hopes for or expects from his followers? Right? So I invite you for a few minutes to... Uh, you know, get up. It's also a great chance to stretch your legs a little bit and build a little energy in the sanctuary. So, so I invite you to get up and find someone, maybe someone you haven't sat and chatted with in this time before, um, and spend a few minutes uh, chatting about these questions or something else if you want. And I'll call you back in, in just a few. I invite you to uh, wind down whatever wise thoughts you're sharing right now and we'll come back together. Having fun in the third pew. <laughs> I hope you had some good conversations together. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about engage, engagement. Engagement meaning fully jumping into something, fully embracing it, fully becoming part of something, not one foot in, one foot out, um, but fully embracing it. Um, and the engagement kind of, the complexity around it kind of begins with the problem of James and John here. I mean, did you, did you hear the question that they asked of Jesus? Teacher... We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Don't you want that? Anybody not want that? Whatever I ask, Jesus, do it for me. And 
you know, I wonder, I keep wondering, I keep wondering, why are the other ten disciples, because it says they're, they're upset with James and John after this exchange. Well, of course they're upset, because uh, they obviously went in with a strategy. It could very well be that all twelve of them decided to broach this question and said, James and John, how about you guys? We'll sit back in the corner and see how it goes. It's possible that that happened, because everyone's thinking about their position in the group, right? And their role. And who has the guts to really say what they want to say, right? And Jesus is this, this, this big thing for them, right? And so, it, it, it has a lot to do with power and position. I mean, a lot of us here don't think of ourselves necessarily as people of great power, right? But... Do you ever walk into a situation, whether it's a, a party in a mix of people that you haven't necessarily been with for the first time, and you're immediately thinking about your relational connection with the people in that room, who you know, who you don't know? You know, you think I'm an outgoing person, but if I go into a gathering where I don't know anybody, I drift into a corner. And I'm listening real hard for some conversation that I can engage in and whisper, well, I have a thought on this. You know? I mean, where you go in, you become part of a group, cause that you care about, and you go to your first meeting. Maybe you're on a board or something like that. And the first thing you're doing is figuring out, okay, this person's chairing the meeting, but this person talks a lot, and this person seems to have influence over everybody else. I wonder if I'll ever have a voice here. You know? Um, so this is what's going on in the disciples, and James and John are kind of representing it. Uh, where's, where's our position here? Where are we going? And they just kind of, in a way, maybe in a silly way, they just let it all out. It's basically, Jesus, we understand. We're your disciples. Um, and so, you're supposed to take care of us. And we want you to take care of us. Anybody here not want to be taken care of? If somebody came up and offered, I will take care of you. Would you say no? Right? Possibly. It depends who it is, right? What my relationship with them is. Yeah. And we all have people in, in, in our family. Like I, I, you know, I have some in the extended family. And um, they'll, they'll come in and say, uh, you know, they'll say, well, they used to do it with my kids. Now they do it with the grandkids. Oh, don't worry. I'll take them for a day. I'll take care of them. And you know that they're going to order them around. And that they don't understand your kids. And just, you, you do. You say no to certain things, right? Because you're thinking about who each person is. You're thinking about how they deal with situations. You're thinking about who has power and who doesn't have power. Who understands how to be loving and caring and gentle. And who just kind of walks on people. You know? You're thinking about all of these things all the time. And so the disciples are doing that. So it's important to understand as we look at this passage that part of being a follower of Jesus 
is to get ourselves positioned correctly. Um, being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean, Jesus, I want you to do this for me. We may want that. We may desperately call out to God or Jesus, whatever. We may want that. But we're gonna, we find out as we study the Gospels and we learn about Jesus that that's not what Jesus hopes for out of us. Jesus has much bigger aspirations for us than to become a group of people where we're just being taken care of by some divine nature. But also, Jesus doesn't, isn't calling for us to be ones who just do for others. You know, this passage talks a lot about what it means to be a servant. And I think sometimes we misunderstand what it means to be a servant. And Jesus talks about, are you willing to engage in the baptism, in the baptism that I'm talking about? And servanthood in Jesus' world, in baptism, doesn't mean deciding who's serving and who's taking all the orders. Right? It doesn't go either direction wholly. It is a partnership in love. It's a service. It's a service to a different way of living. I mean, look around it. Not, we don't only experience it when we go into different situations. You know, you do, as we talked about earlier, you get involved in some organization, you care about the cause, but then you realize that the people who have been doing it for 30 years aren't going to let you ever have a voice or a say. And you, if you're going to stay there, you're just going to have to do what they want to do. We're always evaluating and looking at our relationship. And some of us feel like we have very little to offer. Some of us feel like we're the one who's going to have to take charge because others aren't taking charge, right? It's all about our relational power connection with one another. When we do the pairing and the sharing, part of the reason we're doing that is trying to engage each other um, in the one-to-one -one kind of settings so that we feel more of a mutual connection with one another over time instead of this, these power relational dynamics that are going on all the time. And then as you expand and look at the world that we live in, I mean, it seems like it's getting worse. Maybe we just know more about it. But everyone's trying to figure out what James and John are trying to do here. Like, I want that position on your right and on your left. You know, I want that position of prominence. Power over other people. Jesus came, and through his baptism, to help us learn about the power that is within us. The power that's within all of creation. The God of this love creation. The power of love. And love is not a power over. It's a power with. You know that. If you, if, if you have a good marriage or you've, you've seen others in a good marriage, the best of them, there's a mutuality between them. There's, there's a learning of how to take the strengths and weaknesses of each and come together in love and support and encourage each other and have a power with. 
instead of a power over. And we know in relationships when there is abuse going on in some way from the smallest ways to the biggest ways that we keep hearing about that it's always someone trying to have power over or control over. Maybe it's because it's the only place they can have it in their world. Maybe they're so broken. But whatever the reason is, it is a power dynamic. And being a follower of Jesus is learning how to live and serve the love dynamic. And we all like that, right? But it really means an engagement in not having it done for us or not doing it for others, but learning how to do it for each other. The fact that I might serve you doesn't mean that you can't serve me. It's not a, you know, I'm not really comfortable, but it's what they used back at that time with the kind of slave imagery because the slave is going to stay the slave and the master is going to stay the master. But in Jesus' world, sometimes uh, I'm going to serve you and sometimes you're going to serve me. And love is going to be our guide about when to do which. And this is the commitment we make, which is why baptism um, is mentioned in here, because um, the baptismal commitment is a commitment to enter into a relationship with God, to learn from Jesus, and to live in a community where we learn how to have power with each other, not power over each other. But we know that's we know how difficult that is. I mean. Many of you have been on church councils, committees in churches, and, and we all know that, you know, you'll go through a whole process and somebody will sit there in whatever the group dynamic was, and they're not happy with where a decision is going. And then after the decision is made, they say to a couple people, I didn't like that decision, that was wrong. But they never spoke up, because they didn't feel empowered. And maybe... They need to take responsibility for that. But maybe we're paying too much attention to our own agenda sometimes that we don't create a safe environment for everybody's empowerment to happen, for everybody's voice to be heard. And so if you've been on church councils or any other kinds of groups, you know though that this is hard work. Then when we're doing big things together, things speed up. And we have deadlines. And sorry, I don't, sorry you didn't speak up, but we don't have time right now. We've got to get these five tasks done. We'll deal with that later. But we always pay a price for that. Always. So these foolish disciples, this James and John, who represent the rest of them quite well, they don't yet understand this new kind of relational connection that being a follower of Jesus is all about. They're going to learn it a little more as they go down the road, but they're not going to learn it right now. The other element in this passage is talking about, and this is part of the baptism, learning how to drink of the same cup that Jesus drank of, which is symbolic of his death resurrection. But it's symbolic of the process that Jesus had to do relationally to have power with us and not over us. And, and, and the reason why we don't go down that road, look what happened to Jesus. 
there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of suffering and you've got to walk true through that. And you know it. There's no real mutuality in love if you can't work through the conflict in a way that honors each person. That if you can't deal with the suffering that maybe you've lost something in the process or you have to to let go of something old so you can grab something new. We all kind of know this. I mean, I'm a follower of Jesus because Jesus keeps reminding me in so many ways and encourages me and tells me it is possible for us to live together differently. We can do this. Sometimes I think in my, in my youth growing up in the faith, I thought it's love and power has nothing to do with it. But no, love is a power. But love is a power with. Love is a power that, that honors and encourages every single person, even the ones I don't understand that annoy me or I don't like or sometimes are even fighting right against the very thing I'm trying to make happen. I guess we've got to go down the same road as James and John. I guess we have to kind of go through the the honest silliness of asking silly questions of Jesus and and, uh, Jesus uh, eventually getting us around to the right place. And in the end, if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we're going to make a commitment to engage. In our baptism, we make that commitment. We're going to make a commitment to pick up the cup as Jesus did and drink of it and then to share it and not have it just be for us, but to share it. We're going to make a commitment in using all the resources of our life, using our money, to building up mutuality and love relationships. Um, We're going to use our time to commit ourselves relationally to get ourselves empowered if if we need encouragement on that, but to help encourage and empower others around us to have their voice and to feel mutual in any pew they sit in or any table they sit at or any room they walk into. We're going to need to put in effort, not just on our terms. We're going to need to make a commitment. And baptism, the other part about baptism, it's a commitment, not just to God, but it's a commitment to community, and it's a public commitment. It's saying, okay, I'm going to embarrass myself later, but I publicly commit now to be this with you together. And I'm going to fail along the way. But I'll keep putting in the effort. So this is our calling. Our calling is to journey as the disciples did did through kind of the silliness of thinking it's about where where we're going to sit next to Jesus. Through the complicated difficulties of I don't have time for that person. It drains me every time I have to deal with them. It's just a shame that we sit on the same group together. You know? It's a commitment to learn the skills 
of love, of working through conflict in a way that honors every person, of understanding power and who has kind of the given power in any situation and how it is we move towards mutuality in the power dynamics in all of our relationships and all the groups and organizations that we're involved in. Jesus never lost hope in the 12 disciples and he kept teaching them along the way. Jesus has hope in this congregation and in many others around this world and believes that we can move away from the power over dynamics. We can get the strength to face the things we need to face. We can learn how to empower each other so that we can live together in mutual love and do amazing things together and make the kingdom, the kingdom of God happen right here in our midst. I hope you know that today. I hope you believe that today. I hope you're willing to engage and put in the effort to help make that happen more and more in your life, in this church, in this community, and wherever you go. Amen.